Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. All right, Revelation 20, then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon and serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him up for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years." But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one, according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Lord, we pray that you would help us this morning, that you would speak to each heart, each and every heart here. I pray against any hardness or hardening of the heart, and that your word would only land on fertile soil. We pray that you would bless your word to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. It's hard to think of a world without Satan. 
It's hard to think of a world where sin is put in check. It's hard to think of a world where every ruler, every judge, every person who is in authority is righteous and makes only righteous judgments. I mean, what would it look like if every drug cartel was shut down and drugs were no longer flooding the world? What would it look like if there were no prostitutes walking the streets? What would it look like in a world without orphans and widows, with no abortion clinics? What would it look like if there were no anger management classes or divorce court or battered women's shelters or overflowing prisons? What would it look like if there were no more terrorist training camps? The terrorist alert level today is zero. Can you imagine a world that is free of nuclear threats? Lunatics like the North Korean leader Kim Jong-un will no longer be in power. What would it look like if there were no more wars? Where countries would no longer live under the threat of an invading army? I mean, we would all agree that's the ideal world, right? <clears throat> we would all agree that, man, if Satan was no longer running around, that would be ideal. If every ruler, every judge, everyone in authority made an absolutely perfect and righteous judgment. And to many, that's nothing more than a fairy tale. To many, they would say a world like that, Walter, you're just living in a pipe dream. There's no way that something like that could ever crystallize. And yet, it is the very world that the prophets had prophesied about in the Old Testament. For instance, Isaiah chapter 11, verses 6 to 10 says, The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of a cobra and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his place of rest will be glorious. Micah chapter 4 verses 1 to 5. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and peoples will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, he will teach us His ways so that we may walk in His paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Every man will sit under his own vine and under his own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken. All the nations may walk in the name of their gods, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. The prophets spoke of a time like this that I described to you. The prophets spoke of a time, sometime in history, where there is going to be a world that I had just described with you. There will be no more terrorism. 
There will be no more terrorist acts. There will be no more abortion clinics. There will be no more prostitution. There will be no more sexual websites. And the reason that a world like this is even going to exist is because of Christ reigning on earth. Listen to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, and you remember this, it's a Christmas card. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And here's verse 7, which many do not read. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is all going to happen according to what we know to be the millennial reign of Christ. The word millennial comes from two words, milli meaning thousand, and anus, the Latin word, meaning year, thousand year reign, thousand year reign. There is going to be a thousand year reign of Jesus Christ on the face of this planet that's going to correct all the wrongs that's going to undo all the evil that we currently see in this world. Now, just to be fair, there's three views. There's three views of the millennial reign, and I want to throw those out there because you've probably heard them before. One is called post-millennialism. According to this view, the thousand years represents the triumph of the gospel and the period leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And there is no real literal thousand-year reign. It's just some unspecified time period where the gospel is preached, people are getting saved, and after the gospel progresses to all the world, then it sets it up for the coming of Jesus Christ. The next view is called amillennialism. Amillennialism, and this belief says there really isn't no reign. There really isn't no thousand-year reign reign of Christ. It denies that there is any literal or any absolute reign of Christ here on earth. The millennial reign of Christ is reduced to nothing more than a spiritual reign in the hearts and lives of individual people. The third view is called post-millennialism. Post-millennialism says there is a literal thousand-year reign and it is coming after the Lord returns to the earth. This is the view that we hold to. Thousand year reign. I don't know what you hold to, and it's fine. It's not a deal breaker. There are many discussions concerning these things. But in Revelation chapter 19 that Pastor Chris preached on last week, he talked about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to come as the conquering king on a white horse. It is at that time he will set up this literal thousand-year reign on earth, the peace that the world always sought to usher in, the peace that the world always sought to bring in but was never able to, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to usher in during this thousand-year reign. It is going to be a powerful time. And I want you to see several important things concerning the millennial reign of Christ. First of all, I want you to see the captivity of Satan. The captivity of Satan... The thousand-year reign begins with Satan being brought into captivity. I know that's hard to believe. I mean, we look at the world today, don't we? And we see the news and we say, man, 
Satan is running to and fro, and Satan is causing a whole lot of havoc in this world today. And it is hard to believe, I know, that Satan is going to be brought into captivity. Look at his persona. I mean, look at the way the Bible describes him in verse 2. He throws all four titles of Satan out there. He says that dragon, that dragon, speaking of the murderous, merciless, ravenous antagonism that Satan goes against God's people with. That's what the dragon speaks of, ferocious, evil, ravenous, merciless. And that's really what he is. You guys, listen to me. You cannot play footsie with Satan. Satan can take people into captivity quickly. The next thing we see is he's called the serpent of old. This title brings us back to the days of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. You remember in the Garden of Eden, everything was perfect. God builds this beautiful home for Adam and Eve, the Garden of Eden. Everything couldn't have been more perfect. There was no evil. There was no sin in the place. And then all of a sudden, the serpent shows up. The serpent deceives Eve and gets her to bite the forbidden fruit and everything changes. Adam falls into it. That's where the real Adam bomb is. And everything is turned upside down from that point. So the serpent speaks of Satan's deception. But he's also called the devil. Devil means slanderer. It means accuser. That's what Satan does before God. He accuses us, God's people, before him. He says, look at that, Walter. He's a no good, rotten Guy, look at the thoughts that he has. Look at the things that he said to his wife. Look at what he does. I mean, you think he's right? Da, 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 da. He just goes on and on and on. You can put your name in there because Satan will not stop accusing the brethren of God. And that's what he's going to bring. He's going to bring those accusations before God. He is a slanderer and he is accuser, but he's also called Satan. Satan means our adversary. That's simply what the name means. He is our adversary. And so you've got this guy that's described here, this being, this spiritual being that that is described as the dragon, the serpent. He's described as the devil. He's described as Satan. These are all titles given to him that speak of his character, that speak of his character. And he is ferocious. Believe me, Satan is very, very powerful. Some of you that have had encounters with him on the dark side before know what I'm talking about. That Satan, and I think we, you know, we lift up this Haiti team. We pray for, for the people going to Haiti and we pray for God's protection over them. And the reason we do is because Satan is running like crazy in Haiti. You see voodoo everywhere. You see the powers of darkness. And if you've ever encountered the powers of darkness, you know how powerful Satan is. But notice the person who takes him captive. It's an angel. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. I want you to notice that right there. It took only one angel to take Satan captive. One angel. In fact, the angel isn't even named. It's not the archangel Michael. It isn't the archangel Gabriel. We don't even know. 
Sometimes we have this vision of Satan that he's this big Hulk-type character and the angels are like kindergartners jumping on his back, trying to wrestle him down and things like that. I want you to take note of that. That is one angel that takes him captive. That's how powerful God's angels are. It is wise to recognize, it is wise to recognize that Satan is a powerful being and I'm telling you there's no flesh and blood that can stand up to the power of Satan. It is Christ dwelling in us that gives us the power, amen? It's when Jesus showed up on the scene we see in the Gospels that he cast demons out of people. The demons are frightened at the name of Jesus. But one angel, one angel, everybody wants to give Satan so much credit like he's got all this power and he's... Look at the place of captivity now. He cast him into the bottomless pit. We spoke about that. The Greek abuso. This is a special place of confinement for certain wicked, evil spirits that violated God's order in Genesis chapter 6. You can read about that when you get home. Read about Genesis chapter 6. They intermarried with women. Somehow they violated this order of God and now they're in a special confinement, special imprisonment. They're let out in Revelation chapter 9 to do some damage, to come and attack the world. But these are the most wicked. This is like death row. This is, this is the most wicked evil spirits are down in the bottomless pit. And this time the angel isn't showing up with the key to unlock the bottomless pit to release spirits. He's showing up to unlock the pit to cast Satan down in to the pit and that's going to be his place of captivity i like that phrase don't you look at that verse three and he cast him in the bottomless pit and what and he shut him up <laughs> it's like satan shut up <laughs> you know he's he's his motor mouth bringing you know accusations to all of god's people he's cast into this pit and he's not only shut up he's sealed up the bible says that he's shut up and then a set there's a seal that's set on him by the way that same word is used when Jesus was crucified. You remember when Jesus was crucified? And then they buried him in a tomb, right? They put him in a tomb, and they rolled a stone over the tomb. And after they had rolled a stone over the tomb, they set a seal on it. In fact, Matthew 27, 66 says this, So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone, and posting the guard. The same word is used there of when the stone was rolled over the tomb, the entrance of the tomb, and they set this seal on it. But how many know that that seal didn't hold Jesus Christ, did it? But Satan is sealed here. He's shut up. And the purpose of his captivity is specifically stated in that verse 3, so that he should deceive the nations no more. So he should deceive the nations no more. That's Satan's primary mode of operation really isn't so much demon possession. You see that on third world countries and stuff. You see guys falling down. You see them drinking blood. You see their eyes rolling up and you say, man, that's demon possession. But when you read the book of Revelation, that isn't Satan's primary mode. Satan's primary mode is deception. And this is where people tend to underestimate Satan. I mean, he is the con of cons. He is the con of cons. And he seeks to deceive even the elect of God. And we talked about that, didn't we? About how deceptive the world is. Satan's got so many tools in this world to try and deceive you. 
thinking that this world here and this life here has something better for you, and there is no judgment coming, there is no eternity coming, just planted here and now, man. You only live once. Live it up. Party. You got the resources? And if you don't have the resources, run up the credit card. And he's so deceptive, leading people into captivity. And the period of his captivity is stated there is specifically for a thousand years. He is going to deceive the nations no more. Can you imagine that? A thousand years without Satan deceiving the nations. And this is why many nations go to war. Many nations go to war because Satan deceives them into exercising their power so that they can conquer territories and that they can take resources for their own. And this is going to happen at the end times. Satan is going to deceive the nations into surrounding Jerusalem, the holy city. And that's his MO. He operates on deception and the depravity of the heart. Now notice the authority of the saints, the authority of the saints in the millennial reign. To me, this is one of the most glorious truths in Scripture. One of the most incredible truths in Scripture is that the saints of God are actually going to reign with Christ for a thousand years. Look to somebody and say, man, you are going to reign with Jesus for a thousand years. You're going to have your opportunity. If you've never had any power here on earth, you're going to get it during the millennial reign if you're a believer. And the question that comes up here often in verse 4 is, who is the they? Who is the they? It says, and I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. The they that is speaking of there are the very ones, the church that comes back with Christ. In chapter 19, it talked about the marriage supper of the Lamb and then Jesus comes back with the saints. By the way, the saints is not some person who has obtained a certain level of holiness. Like some denominations believe, they'll name somebody to be a saint. And yet in the New Testament, we read that anybody who's come to Jesus Christ, anybody who's professed faith in Jesus Christ is a saint. I know some of you women are thinking, you don't know my husband. <laughs> doesn't matter what you say. The Bible says if he placed his faith in Jesus Christ, he's a saint. I like that, man, Saint Walter. <laughs> Hear that, Griselle? Saint Walter, it's got a ring to it. If my name was Bernard, it would be Saint Bernard. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a glorious truth that we see in Scripture that we're coming back and we are going to reign with Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 22. Jesus told the disciples, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. They will be judged. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? No, that was written in the context of believers taking other believers to court. Here they are. They have this glorious position with Jesus Christ. They're called saints. And they have disputes in the church. And what are they doing? They're bringing them to Caesar's court. They're letting a pagan, unbelieving judge decide the matter. 
The Bible says, don't you understand that, that you're going to be judging the world? That you're going to be entrusted with much greater matters. What are you doing with these disputes? And so we believe here at Christ Community Church, if there's somebody in our church suing somebody else, that is wrong. You're supposed to go to the elders of the church. And you're supposed to commit judgment into their hands and let them come up with the ruling. And you're supposed to be fine with that ruling. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.